Just as the nation of Israel was about to cross over Jordan into the Promised Land, Moses gave farewell instructions to the people, knowing that he would not cross over with them, that in fact God had revealed to him that he would remain and that God would bury him. He said to them the following words in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Messiah. A prophecy about the Messiah to come. That Messiah would come and Messiah would teach and the people were to listen to him. Jesus was popular. He was a rabbi well known. He had been teaching the people. One who taught with authority, not as their scribes and the teachers of the law. Crowds from all backgrounds followed him wherever he went. And they followed him at this time. And Matthew records for us in the beginning of chapter 5, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he sat down and began to teach. This is what we will look at. This is what we are going to explore. What did those teachings mean for those crowds, those people in that day? And what do they mean for us in our day and age? You know, I once had a young woman come to my office for counseling. She came to me with a very simple question. She had been divorced it was what we would call a biblical di divorce on the grounds of abandonment, unfaithfulness. She was now in a new relationship that might lead to marriage. And she had one simple question that she wanted to ask me. Did I think that it was now okay for her to engage in intimate relationships before the marriage? Her first marriage, she had had a purity covenant. She was a virgin when she got married. But that was then, she said, this is now. What would you counsel her? You know, some people come in for counseling with different reasons and different ideas. Most of them can be boiled down to two questions. Will you listen to me? And can you help me? Some people come in with preconceived attitudes already that they look and say, well, you seem like a sympathetic person, Pastor. You understand the complexities that there are in life. Life is gray. It's not black and white. I just simply want to be happy. I want you to hear my story. What I want is for you to be reasonable, especially in this day and in this age. I don't want you to impose some archaic law on me because this is a unique situation. I need allowances. I need you to make adjustments. You know, understand, she sought me out as a pastor, believing that she was looking for a biblical response for what her question was. Maybe she'd found it already. Maybe she just simply didn't like what she read in the Scriptures. Maybe she wanted some wiggle room. The truth is, for her, for you, for me, for all of us, is that we have to ask ourselves the following questions. What will we do with Jesus as followers of His? Who is He? What does He teach? What is the identity of His people? 
What does He offer us and what does He not offer us? Take out your connection and look again at the gospel lesson for today. That gospel from Matthew chapter 5 that we begin at verse 17. Let's look at that. Let's look at what Jesus is teaching on that mountainside. He starts with these words, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law and the prophets. That was simply all of Scripture. That's what it was called. That what it was, it was summed up into. The law and the prophets. Whatever was required, whatever was prophesied in the future, everything pointed to Messiah. Everything was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We heard those words in the Easter story on the road to Emmaus when it said that Jesus opened the Scripture and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. Jesus came to fulfill all that is in there, all of the laws, all of the prophecies. You know, if you look in the Old Testament, there are three types of law that you will find. There are the ceremonial or the ritual laws. There were the dietary laws. There were the moral laws. All of them were fulfilled by Jesus. Fulfilled by either ending an old covenant and beginning a new covenant, as Jesus often says, or by His perfect keeping of its commandments and its requirements, all things were fulfilled. You know, it might tempt us, knowing that, that we might just say, well then, what's the point? We could take everything off the table. If everything is fulfilled, we're not under the law anymore. It has no need and it has no application for us. And many throughout the history of the church armed with that idea have done just that and in fact have used other scriptures to justify a position of saying the law has no purpose for us. They use Romans 6.14 where Paul says, "...for sin shall no longer be your master." Because you are not under the law, but under grace. Or Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The law has nothing to say to us, they would say. The law is the old covenant. We are in a covenant of grace. We are free. We can do whatever we want. And yet, if you would look at verse 19 today, Jesus says the following, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we can't just take them off the table. But maybe some of the other approaches are just as bad. There were other approaches then that said, no, no, these are the rules for our life. And in fact, just like the Pharisees, they began to make up more and more rules to protect the people from ever coming close, even in our modern age. Think about some of these things in the history of the church that I'm sure you've heard before. Colored clothing cannot be allowed. Only black can be worn. No cutting of hair or wearing of jewelry. No consuming of alcohol. No dancing. No drawings or carvings or statues or images in churches. 
only plain song music, no instruments or no music at all. And if you do any of those things, then you are sinning. See, there's the two extremes to the question today. That Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So what are we to do as his followers? That was the question that that fledgling church had that Matthew is writing to. How does the Old Testament apply to us today? Well, one of the things that we need to look at, that we need to understand is what is it then that Jesus, as that one who was raised up, that new prophet greater than Moses, what is it that he commands? What is it that he upholds? What is it that he reinforces for us? We're going to hear that in the summer because many of the passages in this teaching, Jesus starts out, you have heard it said, but I say to you, Did you realize that Jesus gives us commands? Even though everything has been fulfilled, He upholds things, He looks back at them, He validates the Old Testament Scriptures as we go forward. In Matthew 22, beginning at verse 35, it says this, One of them, an expert in the law, tested Him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In John 15, Jesus said this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And in Matthew 28, In the Great Commission that we hear all the time, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But it goes on and says, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. You see, Jesus never leaves us off the hook as followers in doing what is right, in following what the law says. Because as the confessions in our church tell us, the law teaches us what is right and what is pleasing to God. What is right and what is pleasing to God. It has a purpose. We know that the Scripture calls the law now a schoolmaster to us. We use words like rule and curb and measuring stick. Things in order that it is important in our lives to give us content. So what did I say to that young woman who asked me that question that day? I turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 and 9, where Paul writes, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Did she get married? I don't know. But that was the biblical truth. That is what the law said. That is what we should do. That is what is right and pleasing to God. And that is who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. People who seek by the power of the Holy Spirit to please our Heavenly Father in all that we do and say. 
You know, I don't know how many of you, when maybe you were kids and you would go out, would hear the phrase that I would. Maybe I'd be going out to dinner at another friend's house or going over somewhere, but I would hear those words, be on your best behavior. You see, whatever I did when I was gone reflected on the family, reflected on my parents. What we do in this life reflects on our parent, our heavenly Father. Jesus says in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We know that breaking God's law is sin. We know that it offends Him. I guess the question I should have asked that young woman was, do we like to offend someone? who unconditionally loves us, unconditionally cares for us, unconditionally has forgiven us? Or do we want to please them? You see, when we refrain in our lives from all of those things that we want to do by our self-will, those things that, as people say, will make me happy, when we refrain from those things versus what God has asked us to do in His Word, we honor Him. We show respect for Him. We show love for what He has asked of us because of all He has done for us. And Jesus tells us then in verse 20 in the Gospel, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I guess the question then is, can the law make us righteous and holy? The answer is no. So where does our holiness, where does our righteousness come from? Well, it comes, of course, from Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gives it to us as a gift. We have it. It's given to us in the waters of our baptism, where Christ covers us with his forgiveness, his holiness, his perfection. So when we break God's law, when we go our own way, when we choose not to refrain but take our own way, when we sin, is there forgiveness? Yes. (coughs) Excuse me. The forgiveness we receive from Jesus Christ is what, in fact, enables us to keep that law. Romans 2.4 says this, Or do you... Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? You see, the Holy Spirit uses God's Word, uses all of it, the law, the gospel, all of it in our lives to lead us in the pathways that are pleasing to him. In Hebrews 13, chapter 20, chapter 20, verse 20, it says this, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Does the law have a place in our lives? Most assuredly, it is the content, it is 
what we follow as the family of God, the rules of our family, the things that please our Heavenly Father by following His will versus our own will. But first and foremost in the relationship that we have been given through the waters of our baptism, first we have forgiveness. First, we have acceptance. First, we are made part of the family. First, we are made holy. First, God gives to us, as He always said in the Old Testament, whenever He requires something of His people, He first enables and equips them. He first recounts to them what He has done. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage from the land of Egypt. He tells them, this is what I have done for you. So it is that our Lord and Savior tells us what He has done for you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have given my life. I have redeemed you with a price. Then we follow. Then we hear. Then we love. Then we obey. Are we perfect as this law is perfect and holy in keeping and following it? No, because we are broken sinners in this life. We continue again and again to strive against our flesh, to strive against ourself, to strive against our will by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we fail. But is there always a way back? Is there always a reconciliation? Is there always hope for each one of us? Yes. Because that is what Jesus came into this world to do. To give us His forgiveness. To cover our sin, our willfulness. The things that we do on our own. To lift us up again. To give us His Holy Spirit. To enable us with the power of His Word. To do and to will that which is pleasing to Him. To the glory of God the Father our Savior, and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.